0: Hello and welcome to Thoughts. I'm your host, Miranda Schroeder. I'm coming at you this week with so many random thoughts. I feel like so much has happened since we last talked on Thursday. I was planning to do like a pretty tidy pre-planned episode on some one of the topics um, fo- a follower had submitted via Instagram But I feel like I have so much I need to like share and get off my chest. We will save that episode, which is going to be about getting out of debt. We're going to save that for Thursday because I feel like it piggybacks off this episode very nicely. Before I get into that part of the episode, I just have to give a little update on the way my life is right now, whatever that means. So Saturday, I went and got my nails done. And I always do street parking there. I always pay for my street parking with the mobile app. And yeah, it's never a problem. Put an hour on the meter, went in, got my nails done, came out. I was like 10 minutes late. You know where this is going. I was like 10 minutes late. And the guy was like standing at my car, getting ready to like write up the ticket. And it like spits out of this little machine. He's doing it as I'm walking up and I'm like, hi, like, "Um, thank you. Like I'm here. And he says no words to me. He just pushes the button. It prints the ticket. He like rips it off and just shoves it at me as I'm like walking up to my car shoves it at me and just walks away. Literally does not say one word to me. Oh my gosh. I was fuming because usually if my time runs out on my meter, it notifies me on the app and then I just add more time. But I was getting my nails done and like right. And so I like couldn't use my nails at all. And then like, as I was checking out, like it never notified me. I never saw a notification. I didn't even know what time it was because I'd been sitting there without my phone for an hour. Oh my gosh. I was so PO'd. Of course, I didn't want to deal with it. So I went straight home and just paid the damn ticket to get it out of my mind. So yeah, that was lovely. All of that was going on. We had been living without heat for a week until yesterday night. So... The HVAC company came out, they had looked at our furnaces a week ago, and they were like, hey, this is not good. Everything's about to die, which we already knew that all our stuff was pretty old. And he was like, well, because of this corrosion, like there's a risk of carbon monoxide. And so we legally have to like shut off your furnace. He's like, you're more than welcome to turn it back on, use carbon monoxide detectors, and then just like, hope the carbon monoxide detector like goes off if there's carbon monoxide, uh, terrifying. Andrew was like, yeah, I'll just buy an extra carbon monoxide detector and like slap it next to the furnace. I was like, absolutely not. Like turn them off. Do not turn them back on. So all week we were like stressing about not having, not only having to replace one furnace, but we have two furnaces and both of them had the issue with the risk of carbon monoxide. So not only did we have to think about paying for one furnace, we had to think about paying for two. And then one of our air conditioners was very old. We also have two air conditioners. And the reason we have two systems is we have ductwork for upstairs and we have ductwork for downstairs. And each set of ductwork has their own AC and furnace. So going back to the AC, We really needed to replace like the furnace and AC as a combo. They really wanted us to do both. But the second air conditioner is a lot newer than the air conditioner that we replaced. So I was like, okay, like we'll replace the older air conditioner so it can hook up with the new furnace and then we'll keep the other air conditioner that's like six years old or something. Oh my gosh. If you've been following along, Andrew and I have... Like, gotten so serious the last couple months about like sitting down, like writing out a budget, like figuring out where we want our money to go, like how much we're going to save, what we're going to save towards, like how we want to go forward with like our maxing out retirement accounts and our investment strategy. And then this freaking happens. This is a dollar amount that makes me want to vomit. And I mean, we have liquid savings, but it's not a massive amount because I don't want money just – I don't want thousands of dollars just sitting in a savings account. It's like if you have extra money beyond your quote-unquote emergency savings, like that money should be invested. So it's money that you can't get to quickly. Like most of our savings is investments that you cannot just liquid liquidate those investments. And as far as liquid cash, we were like, okay, like if we pay for these furnaces in cash, like that's going to pretty much just like drain our liquid savings, like our emergency fund basically. And so we're like, eh, don't really want to do that. Like don't really want to drain our emergency fund. At the same time, we were like, we will not take out a loan that has interest because If you take out a loan with interest, you always, always, always end up paying more than you should have, even if you pay it off early. So we were like stressing and like days are going by and we're trying to like figure out creative solutions for like what we're gonna do. Finally, we're like, we're pulling the trigger. Yesterday, they came, they installed both of the furnaces and the AC, new AC unit. And then this morning, they had to come back to install the whole house dehumidifier, which we definitely needed. Like, our downstairs definitely has, like, a moisture issue. It's creating, like, a weird feeling in the air, even upstairs. And then, like, downstairs, it's just, it needs it. It, like, smells. It's moist. It's just funky down there. So, I'm really hoping the dehumidifier helps. To throw a complete wrench... And all of this furnace drama. It's Saturday night. I think, I don't know what Andrew was doing. He's probably working out like usual. I'm just laying on the couch. And I had just a random urge to go on realtor.com and just look, just look around at some houses for sale in the area, particularly the area we would like to live in one day. And as I'm scrolling, I find this one house, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is it, like this is the house we've been waiting for. To go back in time, if you are new around here, I have a problem with buying houses and doing a bunch of projects in them and then selling them and buying another house that needs 10 million projects instead of being a normal human human being that buys a house, fixes up, fixes it up to live in it and enjoy it. I tend to do that so the next person can live in it and enjoy it. And it's a whole thing. Clearly I have a problem. Uh, I have bought I've bought five houses so far. Just to give you perspective, I'm 29. bought the first one when I was 20. Sold it when I was like 21, rolled that into a larger house, sold that. Um, Andrew bought the next one because we had started dating. Bought that house, sold it, rolled it into a renovated house, lived there. Only made it there eight months because, of course, my dream old house that needed a bunch of work in the neighborhood came for sale. And we were like, what the heck? It was right when the market was like heating up. Um, We were like, yeah, what the heck? Like, we'll just put in an offer. We knew there were already like four offers on our current house when we wrote our offer. I think it had been on the market like 12 hours. And this would have been very late, like Christmas time of what year was that? 2020. So like during the COVID madness, I was pregnant I think I have the right there. I think I have the right year there. We've been in this house for two years. Yeah, so we threw in an offer. We were like, "There's no way we're gonna get this house." We had to offer like over asking. We had to like limit what we were going to require as fixes on the inspection report. Yeah, and it was wild. I remember sitting on the couch in our renovated house that we had only been at for like seven months and Andrew, like the realtor called right when Andrew walked through the door and I clicked speaker and she was like, you got the house. Like it was like, like it was all just so crazy. It was, it was nuts. Like, I don't know. Didn't feel like real life. Sometimes I look back on that moment and I'm like, it still doesn't feel like real life, but we're clearly living in the house. Anyways, this past summer, we started looking we enrolled Ryan in school and we started looking kind of accidentally like there was a house for sale really close by to a vineyard for that we like to hang out at in the summer and we're like oh like it's having an open house and like we were driving that way anyways it was in a neighborhood we like, super close to Ryan's school that she goes to now. So we were like, oh, we'll just stop by and walk through. Actually, no, that one wasn't an open house. We called our realtor to walk through that one. Um, Walked through that. We did put an offer in on that house and they had multiple offers and it came down to ours and one other offer. And they chose the other offer because they did something called an appraisal gap. And what that means is, Um, say the house in this example, just this is hypothetical was listed at $300,000. And you're going to offer $370,000. Okay. But your realtor is telling you, you know, your house really is worth like $320,000. So we don't know if when the appraiser comes out and looks at the house, if they will say that the house is worth X amount of dollars. So say on that example, the appraiser comes out and says, this house is worth $350,000, but you offered $370,000. The bank looks at that and goes, we cannot write you a loan to cover that amount because the house isn't worth it. Now, if you are the one selling the house, as the seller, when you choose your offer, you want to choose the offer not only that's going to get you the most money in your pocket, but you also want to choose an offer that's going to cause you the least headache when it comes to financing falling through, a bunch of repairs need needing to be remade, needing to be made, a bunch of allowances for xyz like cash that you have to give to fix certain things, cash could be for anything. Uh, As the the seller, you want the deal to be just as clean and simple as possible. And that's why cash offers appeal to a lot of um, sellers because they don't have to worry about things falling through with the bank. If that buyer has verified funds in their bank account, there's no loan standing in the way of them purchasing the property. Most of us don't have you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars lying around in a bank account. So we apply for a loan and we get a mortgage to purchase our property. That's much more common. But in this absolutely insane market, you like realtors have had to get really, I guess, buyers in general, our realtor is amazing and helps us get creative on you know, finding out the motivation of the seller. Like what is most important to the seller? Like, do they want this to be a quick, simple, easy deal? Are they trying to just get rid of this property? Do they need the most cash in their pocket? And they don't care how the deal is financed. Like they don't care if you're coming with cash. They don't care if you have a loan from the bank. They're just out to get the most money in their pocket. And that's not the motivation for every seller. Uh, Like we got in a position when we owned this current house and our last house at the same time, we were like, we don't care what concessions we have to make. We don't care how much we have to pay. We don't care what we need to fix. We just need to get rid of this house so we don't keep having to mortgage payments. So it's different in every single situation. But going back to that specific situation from last summer when we put the offer in, that Seller was very nervous that their house wasn't going to appraise. Like they felt like their house was maybe not worth what the offers were coming in at. And in that case, like I said, someone, if the house doesn't appraise for the amount needed to purchase the house, someone either has to, the buyer has to either come up with the difference between the appraised number and the offer number in cash or the deal falls through. So in that example, I think these numbers could be wrong because I don't remember what numbers I threw out, but say you offered 370 and the house appraised at 350. So you can get a loan from the bank for 350. This is this isn't taking an account down payment. so don't get super literal with me here. okay. This is just an example to explain explain the appraisal gap. So the house appraised for $350, but you offered $370. You now need to fork over, if you told the seller that you would cover an appraisal gap unlimited, you now need to fork over $20,000 in cash to cover that gap between what the house is worth and what you offered. So going back to this specific scenario, the seller of the house was very nervous that their house wasn't going to appraise. So the offer it came down to, was between ours and the other offer. The other offer said they would do an unlimited appraisal gap. So say the house only appraised for 300,000 and they offered 370,000, they would be on the hook for $70,000 of cash. Now, Andrew and I, plus our realtor, we were all like, there's no way the house doesn't appraise. So it wasn't a very big risk for them to say that. But Andrew and I were like, we don't want to be in a terrible position where like we're supposed to fork over a bunch of cash, cash that we probably didn't even have at that time. So we wrote an over asking offer, but we didn't appraisal gap up to I think it was like $30,000 because that is what we offered over the list price. So we said, if it doesn't appraise at what we offered, we will, we will fork over up to $30,000 additional over the appraisal price. And that was how one of our offers remained on the table was it was a high offer, a strong offer, but we also threw in that appraisal gap. And I believe we waived inspection for that property as well. Um, We were very confident in the house. Andrew and I are used to dealing with old houses, like you name it, we've probably dealt with it. We probably already have a contractor or a company that we work with to fix it. So we're not really scared off by like a bad inspection response. As long as the house doesn't have like a completely crumbling foundation, we're pretty comfortable moving forward with a house. I mean, our old houses have given us a run for our money and it's just something we're used to as homebuyers. We've never like moved into a brand new construction house. Like I don't even know what that's like. I do have a friend that has a new construction house that also had a bunch of issues. So, I mean, some of these old houses are built, Way better and more sturdy than the newer builds. So, anyways, going off on a tangent about buying old houses versus new. But in that situation, I do believe we also wrote a waived inspection into the offer, meaning we didn't even care if the house was inspected. We would just buy it. After we put that offer in on that house last summer, I definitely got the bug. And I think I was just really bummed. So I kept like, house hunting, house hunting, house hunting. Like I was looking at listings every single day. Our realtor set us up with like an email as new listings would hit the market, we would be notified. And we probably looked for a good four to six weeks pretty consistently, like checking new listings, seeing if anything in the area had come up, went to quite a few open houses. Like we probably walked through at least four houses, maybe five and, you know, feeling pretty defeated after that, we were like, we don't need to move. Like, let's just hold off, like stop the hunt. So we really haven't looked at listings since probably like late last summer, early fall. And I don't even know, like on Saturday, so this was like three days ago. What? I don't know what inside of me was like, oh, you should like look at realtor.com right now. I don't know, it just happened and I looked and then we found this house that was, seemed like the answer to all our problems. We are kind of in this place right now where we have a couple moving parts. One of those being, I have been looking for new commercial office space for legitimately like a year now. It's actually been longer than a year, but very, very seriously over the last probably 10 months. I did not, even longer really, I did not want to re-sign my lease at my current studio space in August, but I wasn't able to find another space in time. So I ended up having to sign on for another year lease at my current studio space, which I did not want to do. So after I had to sign that lease and continue leasing there for another year, I went to my commercial broker and was like, I have to get space. Like I need space and I want to have this space secured by June of 2023, even if I cannot move into the space because my lease is up in August of 2023 at this studio. And I absolutely refuse to sign it or stay there for so many reasons. Like I will move my studio into our stinky basement before resigning this lease. I am not kidding. So When I saw this specific house come up on the market, it had so many amazing opportunities, so much potential to actually just run my business and studio space out of this house. It was set up perfectly for it. It had an in-law suite with a separate outdoor entrance, and then it also had this massive basement with so much storage, great meeting space, full kitchen. Like It had everything we needed like to live and to work for my business. So it seemed like the perfect answer to my problems. It was like, okay, we'll just buy this house. We'll invest that money that I was going to be spending on a commercial lease. And we'll just pay it to ourselves as part of our mortgage, because real estate is an amazing investment. So instead of spending, you know, $2,000 $2,000 on a lease where I have no equity in that property. I could take that $2,000, put it towards my mortgage, and then I'm investing in my own property that I own to pay down that mortgage. So it just seemed like this really like too good to be true. And of course it was too good to be true. And anyone who says the market is cooling down right now clearly has not tried to buy any property lately. Ironically, when I found the listing on Saturday night, I saw that it had an open house the following day. I think it had been on the market for maybe 48 hours at that point, saw that it had an open house, texted our realtor Saturday night and was like, hey, heads up, we're going to go to this open house tomorrow, probably going to write an offer if we can get it figured out. Well, when you go to buy a house, you have to have a pre-approval to put in an offer. I mean, I guess technically you don't, but you really do. You have to be pre-approved. Basically, a mortgage lender has to give you the thumbs up that, yes, you can afford this house. You're able to buy this house. You're able to put an offer in on it. Well, most pre-approvals last for 60 days. So we hadn't gone through this tedious process since the summer when we put in that last offer. So we did not have a pre-approval letter. So we go to the open house, love the house. We find out there are multiple offers all over asking. Some of them were cash offers. Then we find out the motivation of the seller and the seller was all about cash in hand. She did not care how the deal was financed. That was good news for us because we were going to be competing with cash offers. So then we look at the house. We love it. It's great. We're like, we want to do an offer, but that means we need a pre-approval letter. So then we have to hunt down the lender, get all of our paperwork sent over to them. Getting the loan is the worst part about buying a house. You have to fill, you have to provide so many documents, like showing how much money you have, like your W-2s, your pay stubs, previous tax returns, you got to upload your driver's license, you got to provide all your bank statements for the previous two months, like It is a job to apply for a mortgage loan. So Andrew's on the phone with the lender. We're like driving back to our house from the open house because we're supposed to meet the furnace guy who's selling us the furnaces at our current house because we have no heat. We get back to our house. The furnace guy is here. He's like trying to talk to us. I'm on the computer trying to get everything submitted for the pre-approval for the loan on the potential new house. And then I like walk out, interrupt the meeting. I'm like, pause. I'm like, if we're buying a house, like we obviously have to replace these furnaces because we can't sell this house without working furnaces. I was like, we don't need to replace like our whole system, like AC, dehumidifier, like blah, 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 blah. If we're getting ready to list this house. Also, if you are in the process of buying a house, you do not want to do anything to mess up your financial situation. You don't want to spend a bunch of cash. You don't want to make a big purchase. You don't want to take any new lines of credit. You don't want to sign up for any other payment that's going to be a monthly payment when you are applying for a home loan because one tiny change can completely change what you're pre-approved for. And then you have to go through the process all over again with the bank to find out what how much money you can actually get to buy a home it is a whole thing, people. So I walk out into the HVAC meeting, the HVAC guys there, Andrew's there. I'm like, hold up, everybody stop. Like we have to find out if we can get this house or not before, before we sign any paperwork to pay thousands and thousands of dollars, like tens of thousands of dollars to replace our heating and cooling here. As a physician. Andrew has access to this type of loan called a physician's loan, and the reason it's attractive and appealing is because you can put 0% down and you can get a very large loan. I mean, lenders just feel comfortable lending to physicians, and so it's a type of loan available to them. We didn't have to use this type of loan. We could have used a conventional loan, mortgage loan to purchase this property but we didn't want to for so many reasons but there are very strict requirements to qualify for the physician's loan so we knew we were pre-approved for like a conventional mortgage with a down payment but we really wanted the physician's loan to purchase this property so we're all just sitting there on like a cliffhanger like waiting for the lender to get back to us to say if we can if we qualify basically for this physician's loan or not. And he ended up letting us know like, Hey, no, you can't quite get the physician's loan right now. Like you'd have to do a conventional loan with a down payment. And we were like, yeah, we don't want to do that because like our house is not, our current house is not ready to go on the market. So in that situation, we were probably going to have to fork over all of our cash to buy the new house plus replace furnaces, plus spend more money to get our house ready to sell, and then just hope that our house sells and potentially have two mortgages, which we definitely would not be able to afford because the new house would be significantly more than our current house. And so we were like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Like, Pump the brakes. We're not going to put in an offer because we can't get the loan we want. And... It was also just super crazy competitive and like what we were going to be paying for that house was stupid. So I'm really glad this happened and the brakes did get pumped and we didn't put an offer in on this house because it was, it was a little wild, like more than we needed to pay for that house. So anyways, long story short, we didn't write an offer and we just let that one go. But now that I've been sitting here on the podcast blabbing about putting offers in on houses, all I want to do is sign off of here and jump back on realtor.com. Probably an unhealthy obsession, but you know what? It is what it is. Real estate is the reason we have been able to climb the housing ladder, pay off debt. Like I am so thankful for whatever crazy thing in my brain made me buy a house and renovate it at 20 years old when I didn't have two pennies to rub together. I feel like a lot of people have been super discouraged in this housing market, especially if you're a first-time buyer. And I am here to say it's doable. And I'm only saying that because I did it and I had a lot of help. Definitely couldn't have done it by myself. And I just want to encourage you that it is possible no matter what. I remember that first house I had to buy uh, I knew nothing about like the cash you have to like provide upfront in the home buying process. I'm not talking about the down payment. There are a million other things that you have to pay for. You have to provide escrow money in cash. When you get an accepted offer, you hand over a check to say, look, I'm serious. I'm invested. Here's my money. You have to pay for inspections Uh, we do like sewer inspections as well, which is another additional cost because we always buy old homes in historic areas. So we usually do like a sewer scope. Oh goodness. There's other fees that I'm not thinking off the top of my head, but yes, it's very expensive. There are a lot of costs outside of your down payment. And at that time when I was buying the bungalow, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know what costs were involved and we had no money we were like literally dumping out our change jar and like taking it to the bank to turn it into dollars and like deposit it so that we could come up with like the $300 for this or that like that's how broke I was and somehow I managed to do it with a little bit of help so yeah that's just my word of encouragement I have one completely random off the wall story that I'm going to leave you with before I sign off here that has absolutely nothing to do with houses. I think it was Friday. I was driving to work and I pulled out of our house. We live on a corner lot and I was like our road connects like where our driveway is connects to the really busy main road that goes right to a stop sign. So I go to turn onto the busy road and there's a backup, but I'm so confused because I'm seeing the light and the light's green. So I was like, why are we stopping? I end up like wedging out into the traffic to go like around this car that appears to just be like stalled out in the middle of the street. Not uncommon to happen. You know, somebody's car breaks down, but usually they like would put on their flashers or like get out and direct people to hey like go around me I'm stalled out so I pull out I pull up next to the car that's like stalled out but then I'm like getting back over because I have to get into the correct lane like I'm in the lane for oncoming traffic and when I glanced over the driver looked like they were passed out couldn't get a good look if like it looked like there was someone in the passenger seat, but I'm not sure. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, is this man dead? Like what is going on? No one else in their cars like that were behind this stalled out car seemed to be doing anything. So when I got to the next stoplight, I called 911 and I was like, there's a stalled out car with a man that appears to be unconscious. Really bizarre. Uh, the ambulance, ends up coming like and they got there within like a minute or two and calls me back and they're like ma'am no one is here I'm like what on earth then I felt like a fool for calling but I like was genuinely concerned about this man I don't know what ended up happening I have some speculations don't know what ended up happening but I have a very good feeling that whoever was in that car probably did not want law enforcement to come take a look or ambulance, or whatever. Somehow they got out of there. I don't know if he woke up. I don't know if, I don't know. The car was gone. It's a mystery. We will never know. But yeah, I just uh, had to share that story because it was wild. Probably not wild for the east side of Indianapolis, but, you know, wild to some of you out there who live in maybe tamer areas. All right. Yeah. Well, that was my drama. Those are all our updates. Like I said, uh, my episode for later this week is probably going to be um, a little more polished, a little more thought out. I don't know. It'll be on an actual topic, not just me updating you on the past five days of my life with this shit show of furnace replacement and almost buying a house and seeing a guy passed out in his car in front of my house. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what I have for you today. And I'm going to go try to not get on realtor.com. JK probably going to instantly go on realtor.com when I log off of here. All right. I will see you Thursday. Bye, friends.